Hey guys, and welcome to Personality Bingo with me, your guest, Tom Warren. So, this week on the podcast, Tom Warren plays with himself. Um, now, it's going to be uh, the 50th episode. We said, look, we just did the live episode with Janet Regan, which was such a highlight of this year. It felt too soon to do another live one. So, I'm going to do the episode. Um, our wonderful producer, Taz Keller, was kind enough to step in and introduce the podcast, which was... Um, which was so special, um, and it was a great episode. We had a, a brilliant chat, and it was it was actually really nice to be on the other end of things and kind of see what I've been putting all our wonderful guests through for the last year. And um, it's crazy that we we're, we've done fifty episodes. That's almost a whole year. We haven't missed a week. Um, it's been. Uh, an amazing journey and I suppose just to say thank you to everyone who's listened whether it be every episode to one episode whether you're a subscriber whether you're not whether this is your first time here or whether this is your 50th it's really cool that people enjoy it and um, it's such a nice thing for me to do it's a great way to talk to people and kind of share like the the knowledge that everyone everyone has um, and everyone's life experiences and just I guess that whole cliche that is only a cliche because it's completely true that everyone has a story to tell and it's been really lovely to um, just share some of them stories with you so thank you for coming along on the ride I really really appreciate it and I just want to say a massive thank you to Taz Kelleher who is the rock of personality bingo and of course the boss woman and also a massive thank you to Alan and Paddy um, for everything they do at Headstuff and for you know uh, having the faith to have me on board and I'm so happy to be a part of the Headstuff family a massive thank you to everyone who's ever been a guest on the podcast um, there hasn't been one episode that I'm not proud of every single episode has so many beautiful moments within them and um it's so great to see how different every episode is depending on who the person is and i think that's like one of the real strengths or something certainly that i'm really proud of about this podcast and also a massive thank you to liam moore and anthony manley who um donated their time and their talent and their skills to make a wonderful theme music and the exact same for Connor Nolan whose uh, artwork is such a pleasure to um, see you know when the podcast lands with you and again they both did that for free and um, the only reason that they did it for free was because we have absolutely no money making this podcast this is something that we do completely for free um, and I really really appreciate them um, having the faith to kind of yeah just donate their talents to a uh, you know, kind of make this podcast into a fully realised vision. So a massive thank you to everyone who I have just listed. So as I said, I play the podcast um, this week. It's really good fun. Um, In the middle of it, uh, there's a little surprise as well with a little uh, performance, which was kind of unplanned. Um, But then we said, feck it, we may as well stick it in. Um, So yeah, it's really, really exciting. Um, In other news, uh, just finished up the panto there with uh, the wonderful, wonderful cast um, from the Tivoli and Anthem Productions. It was uh, such a gruelling schedule. We did 64 shows in about 37 days. It was absolutely insane the amount of work that went into that show but um it was very very special to kind of have such an intense experience with such a brilliant bunch of people so anyone who came to that because there were some listeners who were in thank you so much i have some really exciting news to announce i just can't announce it right uh, now but there are actually a few bits that are really great and we have some amazing episodes in the can uh, we have mary byrne of uh, x factor fame and um, we also have paul byram and um, who's one of the most celebrated singers um 
this country has ever seen uh, he has so much success in particular in the States and he was just rocking out in the Helix Panto recently and um, just recorded a brilliant episode with Eva Jane Gaffney and um, we have Paul Meskel uh, who's been working in the gate great Gatsby and now in the Red Shoes uh, and Maria Guyver who's doing some really cool work with After the End um, which is a, a play that's being um, produced by herself and Emily Foran's directing so we've got some deadly episodes coming up so um, please do hit subscribe just so you're kept in the loop about everything else but for now Please enjoy Tom Moran playing Personality Bingo with Taz Kelleher. Tom Moran, are you ready to play Personality Bingo with Taz Kelleher? Yes, I am. <laughs> woo woo! Okay, you're going to have to give a little explainer. Actually, no, I, I, will I do my best to give an explainer? Am I you? Yeah. I am you. Okay, so there's 60 balls in here. There's 60 questions on the sheet. Every ball corresponds with a question. And if a ball comes up, you have to answer that question. And then you also have six numbers. I'm doing a terrible job explaining this. You're not. Okay, and then you have the six numbers. and I, I Go on, go on. Do what you do best. 60 minutes on the clock, 60 <laughs> balls in the machine, 60 corresponding questions on the sheet. Uh, I'm going to give you, you're going to give me five numbers that have been randomly pre-selected. Uh, will you do me a favour, myself, and read out the numbers? <laughs> okay, the numbers are 41, yeah. 25, okay. 11, okay. 38, Great. and 50. Nice. You just pick one more question, Tom Warren. All right, okay, I'm going to go... Number. One One number. I'm going to go for number one. Absolutely. Because I don't think anyone's ever done that. Yeah. And number 50 is already here, and this is the 50th episode. Yes, amen. Isn't it mad that we've done 50? Absolutely mental. I should just put it on the record that, thank you so much, you're so good. You put up with me being late for episodes sometimes, not sending you all the information when I should. You put up with all my bad things, and we make a lovely podcast. And I think everyone listening appreciates it and should just know that you have a tricky job, and thank you. <laughs> thank you, Tom. Sweet. I'm very excited for this episode. And the, the crux of it all is that if you get... All the six quest six numbers, I get to answer you, ask you any question. You do. Which I'm very excited about. Which would be so ironic and frustrating for everyone who listens yeah. to... I mean, well, hold on. There, there, we should name something right at the start because it's not a case... Like, I know there's like a thing that it kind of looks very egotistical to put yourself at the centre of your own podcast. But we just done our live episode about like 15 episodes ago. Yeah. So I don't think there was like the demand for us to do another live episode just yet. Yeah. And like, I'll be honest, I kind of just want to go... Absolutely, but like people, people don't know about you as much. I, I, I bet there's listeners out there that would love to know more about you, Tom Morin from Personality Bingo. Hopefully, I guess the thing to say that if you think this is an egotistical, weird move on my part, I also think it's a weird, egotistical <laughs> move on my part. So uh, once that's all out in the open, I'm happy to do it. We're all excited. All right, let's do it. Do I get to do my first bingo ball spin? Do the spin. I have dreamt about this. I had a dress rehearsal last night in my bedroom. Are you ready? All right, handle <gasps> balls in your bedroom. <laughs> oh, here's. Oh wow, and, and she's out. Dun, 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 dun. Forty-one. Forty-one. I do. I do not have it. What's that number? That's a. Li- oh, it's forty-one. That's forty-one. This job Mom is so. Mom is trying hard. to fix this already. That's hard. It, your writing is shit. Can I say? <laughs> All right, number forty-one. I'm just gonna, uh, whatever number I pull out, like, it's right there. Um, okay, forty-one. If you weren't the nationality you are, what nationality would you have chosen to be? I'd be American. Why? 
I love Americans. I love the lack of cynicism in Americans. I know uh, some people, I think Irish people can be like a bit racist against Americans. Yeah. I think Irish people think Americans are stupid. There are stupid Americans, of course. There are lots of stupid Irish people as well. There's stupid people everywhere. When I lived in America, I lived in Chicago, as anyone who listens to this will know. And I absolutely loved Americans. I just found my kind of people in America mm. and I really loved the encouraging nature of Americans I love the kind of can-do attitude uh, I, I love their sense of humour I love the openness I find them very comfortable uh, in being vulnerable which is something that I like I found them very like emotionally intelligent and mm-hmm. um, I actually found them to be quite self-aware and I found them to be really like welcoming and curious as me who was a much much shyer young Irish guy coming to America with no friends uh, and I kind of felt like accepted in their world like that and I'm not sure that would have happened as quickly if I was an American coming to Ireland and that's something that I thought was really beautiful yeah and did you find as well when I was in America I found that like in America you're allowed to talk about yourself you're allowed to have pride in your work have pride in yourself where in in Ireland it's very much you know notionsy which I love about American people as well so funny like when I went to America I was very like uh self-apologetic mm-hmm. uh, about my work about being good at what I do because I do fundamentally think I am good at what I do uh, but I like there's a part of me that always kind of wants to like shy away from it like I have this weird thing with like praise I really enjoy praise for example I love when someone tweets us about this podcast but if you were to meet and, and you know what it's comfortable getting praise on social media because you can like get it and like for god's sake I'll retweet it not out of like you know, um, self-congratulations is actually because it's just a really handy way to, like, publicise it and just get it kind of into the world again. But, like, you know, I find find it really hard, like, getting kind of praise sometimes because I, I really appreciate it, but then I'm kind of like, yeah, yeah, sure, grand, but how's the weather? Do you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, no, I absolutely. have that thing. Whereas in America, people are like, you know, oh, thank you so much, I really appreciate that. And they might even talk about the praise. And there was something really good about, like, going into rooms in America and just learning how to own yourself. Mm-hmm. And to be honest, like, maybe if I didn't go to America, maybe I wouldn't have a podcast. Maybe I wouldn't, like, have done a web series. Maybe I wouldn't. Have. And, like, you know, these aren't any monumental achievements. Don't get me wrong. But I'm just saying what they are are examples of someone putting themselves out there. And I think here there's an element of like I ask myself the question I'm like well what gives you the right to have a podcast like why do you have a podcast above anyone else there are so many more first of all interesting first of all second of all like funnier all these things people more than me but like that doesn't mean that I don't need to have a podcast we can all have a podcast if we want to have a podcast you know what I mean so I think that was a really good thing and for me about going to America was just kind of like owning kind of owning myself and owning the things that I like and just owning the fact that you can actually do anything you want to do if you're able to own it and that's something Americans are really good at yeah absolutely I remember when I was in America I did actually a podcast episode with two guys from the Cards Against Humanity Network and it was all about accepting praise because even like at the beginning of this podcast when you were like Taz is great she does everything I was like stop that no I don't no I don't stop that stop that it's it's such a it's, it's so like a difference I think between cultures between us like majorly so that they can accept praise and we just can't we just put up such a wall yeah mm. next ball let's do it <laughs> How do you feel, Tom? I'm really enjoying this. Are you this. enjoying it? I love talking. One question in. I love it. I hope we get all your secrets. 32. 32. I do not have that, definitely. Okay. No 32. Question number two, 32 is, tell us about someone you greatly admire. Oh, wow. I greatly admire Glenn Hansard. 
I've never heard this before. Not, I'm sure nobody who's listened, anybody who's listened to the podcast has never heard this before. New information. <laughs> Glenn Hansard is my dream personality bingo guest. I would love to have him. You've interviewed Glenn Hansard. I've interviewed Glenn Hansard. I'm yeah. being interviewed by a person who's interviewed Glenn Hansard. This is a career highlight of mine. No, I love Glenn Hansard. I love him for a lot of reasons. Uh, I find it embarrassing sometimes to like singers and stuff I find it embarrassing that I connect to his life so much he's like a man probably in his late 40s um, who grew up in a different time a different county a different uh, a different everything um, and he actually does like a different thing for me in a living in lots of ways like I do write songs but not really in, in the same capacity that he does in fact I 100% don't um, but like yet I connect to this man in such a like crazy intense level I, I, I saw him eight times this year Year, that is absolutely insane. It's insane. <laughs> so I really connect to him as an artist. I think he's very honest. I, th- I love his music. It's beautiful and it's vulnerable. And I find that to be really attractive in a man. And I mean that in a sense as being a man, I've really struggled with like I, I feel often like I'm actually quite manly in lots of ways, but I'm very girly in lots of ways. Mm-hmm. And I don't mean to put it into gender like that. It's just kind of the easiest way I can describe it. Um and I know it's much more complicated than that. But like, for example, I think I'm a very like emotional, I'm a very vulnerable person and I, you know, have been brought up to ascribe that to being girly. Mm-hmm. But I'm also I'm quite fit. I'm quite like strong I'm quite like decisive uh, I'm quite active I, I associate that to be manly and I know these are really bad gender things that we should yeah. be trying to break down but you know what that's how my brain is hardwired yeah. and I try and work on that but that's kind of what it is so I really appreciate kind of that side of him what I also really appreciate about him is then he does something like Apollo House yeah, which he is hammered in the media and you know he's hammered as being like uh, naive and idealistic and um, kind of arrogant and st- stupid and all these things but you know what he was trying yeah he was trying to like get homeless people off the street it is so cold in dublin at the moment mm-hmm. and there are so many homeless people and he broke into a building with other people but he's just the, the figurehead of it i guess um, and he broke into a building in dublin and it was fucking rock and roll and you know what like it was not perfect mm-hmm. it probably wasn't completely safe it probably was idealistic but i went to see him recently in concert and he talked about it and he said you know what I agree with a lot of the criticism that was labelled at us, but at the same time, like in the face of like that much adversity and that much like tragedy on the streets of Dublin, which there really is, there's a homeless crisis. Like idealism is not the worst thing, and I find that really admirable. And again, going back to that battle of like the cynicism that we have in this country, I find it really beautiful that he is happy to be himself and fly in the face of that. Yeah, no, I'm I'm obsessed with Glenn Hansen. I think he's amazing. I remember. When I did interview him, I kind of we there was kind of like a talk beforehand, and I remember saying that throughout my life for Star Star, I I got my first ever karaoke machine and sang Star Star. It was my first song I ever sang. Falling slowly, I remember make I remember making up a dance routine with my friends, and then I remember my most treasured memory of Glenn Hansard is the old triangle for Kalura in Royal Albert Hall, and that was the last Christmas I spent with my granddad, and I remember sitting beside him. So, like, all throughout my life, I have these amazing, like, chunks of Glenn Hansard. Like, I'm ups- I, he's an amazing man. I love him, yeah. Yeah, he, he's, very, he's very special. I think this is, like, a, another, like, embarrassing thing. I don't, on one level, I don't believe this, but on another level, I do. I think Falling Slowly could be one of the best songs ever written. I think it's so simple, and it's so beautiful. It's not even my favourite Glenn Hansard song. In yeah. fact, if he didn't play it at concerts, I wouldn't mind, just because it's so like played all the time it's so like overplayed yeah, just exactly. yeah. because it's of how beautiful it is and it's so synonymous with once which has had so much success and as well like as an actor once is something that I have been really 
quite close to doing in in ways uh, in my career so far but I'm kind of it's not really been right for me yet to do a kind of like age and a few things like that mm-hmm. are kind of like outside of my control but in terms of like a role that I would love to do playing like the guy in one so like I mean Glenn Hansard played it in the movie and then it was adapted for the stage by Enda Walsh and John Tiffany yeah. uh, and I would love to play that role that's a real dream role for me because it would be just I think the story is beautiful and to play those beautiful songs every night uh, and to inhabit that character would be um, that is something that uh, is like if I have a bucket list that is yeah. pretty close to the top it's of it it's such a brilliant film like I, I, I adore it the same way as I adored Boyhood for the reason that nothing really nothing monumental happens Do you know it's not like it's not this It do, nothing explodes there's no huge ebbs and like it's just kind of it's just life kind of unfolding in a really nice way. It's, I think it's great. Do you yeah. know what it is? Because I've been thinking about it a lot because I'm working on um, a TV show at the moment and it's, it's going really well and it's like, it looks, you know, it 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 because it, it's such, that's such, that's another thing that I really want to do um, and it's kind of, an un- it feels like an unrealistic thing to say because you're like, TV shows, that's what like, other people make so when you t- try to talk about it, but like you know a TV pilot to have like a TV series um, and that's what I like really want to do with my life and to like be in it and have written it and like maybe produce it and direct it like I I really would love that um, and I kind of want to make th- this idea I, I would like to do loads of ideas but this idea in particular is kind of set in that world of like you know the arts and like about being a creative person because like that's my experience and I, I, I kind of um I would like to give a voice to that. Like, that's what a lot of my kind of writing is. Like, I don't necessarily have a very good imagination, but I think I might be okay at, like, giving voice to some... ever the experience I've had and giving voice to some thoughts that I've had that I haven't got to experience yet. And I think that's what Once does so beautifully. It talks about, like, artistic creation in this really beautiful way because, for me, the evolution of the movie is a few different things, but I think one of the main ones is it's a guy who starts the the show playing covers he finds someone who kind of basically gets him to believe in himself and say no you can like your voice is important and by the end of the show he has an album of his own work and like I think that's what everyone's you know journey as an artist should be like it it has to be you know you, you start with wherever you start and then you grow into finding your own voice and it's so funny we're talking about Glenn Hansard it's not because I think about Glenn Hansard all the time but what's <laughs> funny about it is I think I was thinking about it on the way here I was like I literally was on the bike. I was cycling here and I was listening to him on my um, Spotify and I was thinking, Glenn Hansard is not the best singer. Glenn Hansard is not the best songwriter. Glenn Hansard is not the best anything, but he's so good at being Glenn Hansard yeah. that it's unbelievable. Yeah. And like, I think that's the trick for everybody. It's about like finding how you can be the best, like Taz Catter, the best Tom Warren, whoever it is listening. Like, yeah, because... Like and it's so fucking cliched, but everyone else has taken, and I think he's just someone who's managed to do that in a really special way. Mm. Amen, amen. What's your favorite Glenn Hansen song? Just before I roll this, one word answer. We're not going another rant here. I'm going to be way more a, a Tartarian than Tom Morn. Grace beneath the pines. Oh. Or when your mind's made up. <laughs> or. <laughs> we can read into that what we will. Okay. Yes. Next question. Next number forty-seven. Forty-seven. I do not have it. Okay. Happy or sad, tell us about a moment in your life you will never forget. Hmm. Uh, first thing that came to my head was neither happy nor sad, but it was uh, a moment where I nearly drowned. Uh, I was in, 
I don't even know. I think I was in Clare. I was in somewhere like that was notorious for like riptides and shit. And I don't think I probably actually nearly drowned. But like, just picture like uh, a summer's day, but an Irish summer's day. So a grey day, but it wasn't that cold. So we got in the water, and it was me and my mom, and it was a big family day. And I mean, big in the sense that it was my aunties and uncles, and it was like a big family day in that way. So there were probably like twenty or thirty of my family there, and we used to play like football on the beach and kind of like have sandwiches and like our little flasks of like tea and like cups of coke and all that stuff it was very cute and me and my mom got in the water and we started um like splashing around and we kind of just got like out to sea and my mom especially like then was very like she would go to catastrophe quickly and i think she even though we mightn't have necessarily been drowning i do think we were like out, out of our depth and like straight away to her that like kind of meant oh it's done for like say your prayers and i just like convinced myself that like i was drowning even though i think in, in actuality what happened the tide probably just brought us back into the beach and we were fine but i remember like getting to like getting back into my depth and then getting like you know the water was at my neck and then it was at like my nipples and then it was at my waist and then when I kind of got to her knees I remember like hugging my mom and just being like oh my god we nearly died um I have loads of instances where I feel like I nearly drowned but like I don't spend that much time in water <laughs> and I'm actually quite a good swimmer so that's kind of ridiculous but I was a very little fat child and I used to and I used to yeah and I was in a swimming pool once and I remember getting like my friend uh, he used he just started beating me over the head with one of them little um them little like support boards that you know kids yeah. wear when they're learning doing swimming I started beating me over the head with it and then I went under the water and he just kept beating me over the head and I couldn't get back up and I remember just not being able to breathe and that being very scary as well I don't know why it's all about drowning because as I said uh, I probably have never nearly drowned I wish I could read into your persona and tell you exactly why Tom I, I googled your fear of drowning is actually linked to <laughs> I googled some dreams this morning and um, I always google dreams with the thing being like oh fuck man you have cancer sorry but like the dream that, like they were all like like they weren't because they weren't like happy dreams or anything but like the reasons that I was allegedly having the dreams were like positive reasons they were like oh it just means you've come to terms with a really difficult decision I was like why did I dream about like swallowing snails then <laughs> I didn't swallow snails but like do you know what I mean yeah um so yeah that that's where my mind went for, that was my gut instinct right? oh there you go you'll never forget it mm. Next number is 24. I do not have it. You don't have 24. But I am 24. I was just about to say, are you 24? Yeah. Okay, um, what, is your def- what is your definition of success? It's a good one. Oh, man. Yeah, that is a good one. Uh, my definition of success for myself is... Um, it's funny because I have two parts of myself that wants to talk I have the part of myself that says I want to be happy and that part is true but I also call bullshit in that part because I really... I probably don't have like the most healthy relationship with like my own happiness because like I do think it's probably too interlinked with like my career and my artistic side and uh, just in like what I do for a living it's it's that's dangerous because it's really difficult to be um, it's just a really difficult industry and you know it's not always nice to go through difficult things but if you choose a life in this industry you just have to accept that like your life is gonna be like that a lot of the time so I think actually what I what I'm doing at this point in my life is trying to take as much of the industry out of out of my life in in ways which is why like I love writing and that's I guess you know why, why I love having this podcast for example is because I consider this podcast my hobby you know I, I I love it it's it's separate to what I do as a writer and as an actor even though it's very connected and I actually think that it's very me and it, it probably 
tries to do the same thing as what my acting and my writing is trying to do which I always say it is like to try and make people feel less alone in the world because that's what really good art does for me I feel like seeing when I see a play that's beautiful or a film that's beautiful or a podcast that I'm like wow that really fucking helped me um so I think what I'm doing at this point in my life is trying to like create all those things whereas like I don't have to like wait on like other people within reason I say that like I'm writing like a TV show now like that feels very empowering because I'm like wow well, I can get up every day and I can like work in this thing and I'm, I just finished a play like this week we did our first reading of it and it, it wasn't bad it, you know it was pretty good and it, you know in, a, in another draft or two I think it might be really good and um they're all very empowering but then you know then inevitably you know if a TV show gets picked up for example which is a real dream of mine well then like straight away then you've got so much industry because then you've got to like deal with like all the fucking admin that would come with that but um so I guess my definition of happiness for myself is probably a place where um I I think I would love to be like just head over heels madly in love with someone mm-hmm. um I think I probably I think I think someday I'd love to have kids uh, and I would love to oh man, like I'd love to have loads of things, like I'd love to have an Oscar, do you know what I mean? Yeah. But like, that's not to say that, that I won't be happy unless I have an Oscar, but I think I will, I'll, even if I am, you know, in, in like, in 40 years time still doing panto, I think it's really useful to kind of like aim for stuff. I don't think that's the point, is like, to get like, an Oscar, do you know what I mean? That's not the point, but it's real fun to aim for it. You know what I mean? It's real fun, like it, it, getting the TV show. That's not necessarily the point, even though it's absolutely what I want. But it, it's really useful to aim for that. Do you know what I mean? So I think my definition of success for myself is like some certain things in my personal life that I've, I've named there, and like to have a to be healthy, to have a my family, to be happy, to be close to my family, and to feel like I have people in my life who I love and who I trust. But as well as that, um, to always be striving to be a better person and to make better work because for me I think they go hand in hand mm, absolutely do you think that you sometimes derive happiness from success I know that's something that I've always struggled with if you know if I, if I have loads of things going on in my work life then I tend to be you know fulfilled and I kind of derive my happiness from that and if everything is good in work life then I'm happy in my personal life which is completely it, it's super unhealthy but uh I feel like anybody who works in the kind of the creative industry tends to kind of have that link. Definitely. And I think it's really funny that you say it because it, I just recorded an episode with Paul Byram, which is actually going to come out after this one. And Paul is a singer. And I, I talked to him about what drives you artistically. And he gave a really interesting answer. And I've thought about this before, but he articulated it really well. He said, because he's a singer, and he said, it's not that like I do singing, it's like I am a singer. And I think that's really hard about people who. Um, and it's not only people who work in artistic endeavours, but I think that it feels to me to be more synonymous than that, but I could be wrong, that, like, you know, we as creative people, like, I am my creativity. Like I said, a lot of my creativity, it kind of comes from just giving voice to my life, do you know? So it's very, very synonymous with that. So, yeah, I am 100% happier when I'm working And I mean, that's natural because human beings are, like, designed to be creatures of industry and to be to be busy, but, like, if I'm not working, I have to work real hard to stay, like, happy up here, which is a brilliant thing about the podcast, because mm-hmm. the podcast, while it is a hobby, it also kind of, it is, like, an artistic endeavour for me at the same time, Um, but, like, if I'm not working, like, I guarantee you I'll be, like, I'll have to make sure that I'm eating better and I'm exercising more and I'm just being a bit easier on myself. Um, In, in one way, I'll also, like, be working doubly as hard as when I am working because like I'm like right well I need to like make something for myself to do whether that be like you know mm-hmm. make a play or make a little web series or all those things but um, 100% like 
success and happiness do go hand in hand for me. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I think that's like, it's like you said though, it's not just creative. Because I remember it's not just people in the creative industry. Because I was like, I go for, as we talked about in my episode, go to therapy from time to time. And I remember chatting to my therapist about this and she was saying even with her, um, you know, if, if there's a few weeks that go by and she gets three or four new clients and her clients seem really happy, then she's really happy and she thinks, oh my God, my life is perfect. I'm so great. But she's like, if one or two drop off for no apparent reason, like they're they're okay or they found someone else for whatever reason that may be, it's like she completely takes a dive in her happiness that, you know, it's, it is that link and it's, mm. it's like it's in any industry, wherever you work, it's so easy to kind of, you know, like to just make them the same thing like your your work success and your kind of happiness level of success that's a great point because I think one of the things that I first of all I feel uh, like therapy and this is no way to correct you I feel like therapy is super creative actually because I, I don't know how what your experience has been but I always find it so fascinating how like they pull links from my life and not that they're like being creative it's and, like, amazing but, but it's it, amazing. it is incredible it feels to me very creative but I think that's a really good distinction to make because maybe it's people who and I use this word uh lightly but like it's a vocation like I think being a therapist is a vocation because I think there's a real myth around therapists my mom's a therapist she does not make enough money for example if my mom was not like with my dad and my dad like has a good job it's not an unbelievable job it's a good job but like there's no way she could be like for example a single mother and just be a therapist absolutely not she does not make enough money to do it so I think that's a real myth around it in the same way like for most actors writers podcasters producers whatever that might be most people in those worlds don't make enough money to really have a sustainable or certainly a good um living without supplementing with other things so i think that's the thing it's like if you do something for a living that is a vocation it is so synonymous with your soul or i believe it should be so synonymous with your soul that um if it's not and if that doesn't affect your happiness to be honest maybe then there's something wrong maybe it's a really good thing that like you know, my work is so synonymous to my happiness because my work is so synonymous to me. Mm. That's great, though. Mm. Another question? Yes. Okay, number... Dun, 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 16. I don't have it. Oh, no, it's not looking likely, is it? No. How are we? Don't you don't you limit I'm me. Still, I'm still, still hopeful. Okay, number 16, where are we? Um, do you remember your first kiss? Yeah, um... I'll name her. I don't think she'll care. Uh, this sounds like a joke. It's not. Her name was Chloe Drinkwater. No. I swear to God. Whoa. Her name was Chloe Drinkwater. And it was one of the most embarrassing things that's ever happened to me. Um, it was in my cousin's house. Chloe Drinkwater is not my cousin. Um, but it was in my cousin's bedroom. She was an older cousin. And uh, we kissed and um I no so I went and there was football on back at home and I went to drop my brother to my cousin's party and I didn't want to stay because I really wanted to watch the football and then I walked into the party and there was this girl and I'd never seen her before and she like I was 12 but she was the best looking 12 year old <laughs> I'd ever seen in my life like um she had boobs and she was 12 and I was like a 12 year old boy and I fucking love boobs <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Um, so I was real excited and uh, and I was a little fat little fucking 12 year old and uh, I li- I'd say it was so obvious to my dad but I'd seen her and she was playing like Scrabble at this table and um, my dad's like, right, we go back and watch the match and I was like, I'll actually stay there. Um, and he was like, okay, fine. And like, I'd never miss watching a football match because <laughs> like the only thing I love more than football matches is probably boobs. <laughs> and so I stayed and I... Um, 
got talking to her and yeah like it was kind of amazing that like she kissed me because I really was not a good looking child I was not like I don't know where can children be good looking uh, I don't reveal anything about myself no but I, I wasn't uh, yeah I just I was like <laughs> like chubby probably very cute and stuff um, I feel like I always had a runny nose as a kid <laughs> not a good quality when you want to kiss you're someone you're really selling yourself here Tom <laughs> I mean I'm just trying to paint the, a picture and uh, a picture of snot uh, <laughs> and anyway, I was in a room and um I fucking like I'm nervous at the best of times and I was nervous by kissing her and eventually I don't remember exactly how it like happened but we kissed and it was very wet and very messy and I didn't know what I was doing and I, 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 I my abiding memory of it is I just didn't know what the fuck to do with my hands yeah so like what do I do with them so I put them in my pockets because that felt safe. But then I think I got a bit bold. And then I think I might have tried to like reach for her hips. And like maybe I was going to be brave and like kind of creep around towards her bump. I don't know. Top yeah. Lord. Well, look, 12 year old boys have a lot of shit going on, man. <laughs> I'll tell you that much. And anyway, um, we stopped kissing. It was not a long kiss. Like that makes it sound like it was for ages. I'd say my brain was racing, but like that could have lasted like 17 seconds. Yeah. And we kind of broke apart. And I remember, I just remember her like wiping her mouth from all of my snotty dribble and um then i said um and she, she sorry she was english i don't know if i mentioned this okay she, she was english exotic uh, so she had a really cute accent i really like accents and i really like english accents um and i asked her i was like that was really nice and she was kind of like uh-huh and i said can i kiss you again and she was like no <gasps> uh she's like i have to save some kisses for the boys back in Milton Keynes. That's what she said. And what an amazing response for a 12 year old. Because she kissed a lot of people. It wasn't her first kiss. Okay. She'd kissed a lot of people. Because um, I guess the English are probably less sexually repressed than yes, we are. Yes, yes, yes. Um, they don't have that Catholic guilt, you know. Yeah, maybe that's it. And um, so I asked her, could we kiss again? And she said no. And then she walked out of the room and I was left there for a minute and I was like, my heart was beating and I had this weird mixture of being so happy. I just had my first kiss, but like a lot of like shame instantly that I was not, she would not kiss me a second time. And um, I got home and I called my friend, <laughs> I called my friend Finton and he was like in the room with his mom. He's like, I can't, I can't talk about this man. Can you text me? So I texted him and I texted him. Um, I think I texted him, the meat has been done. <laughs> Delete this message when you've read it because I didn't want my parents to know and I didn't want his parents to read his message. So the whole thing is just a big clusterfuck of embarrassment and now it doesn't record forever. And you haven't had a kiss since. I haven't had a kiss since. Oh, God. Someday, someday. Someday. That's a great story. Okay, right. Another bell. Number 15. I do not have it. Don't number 15. Okay, number 15. What are your memories of 9-11? Oh, wow, okay. This is my favourite question, I think, on the podcast, maybe. Or, um, yeah, I like that question. And the uh, treasured person over 65, I think they're both nice questions. But um, the 9-11 question is weird, because I never want it to be like, I'm looking for, like, fucking stories about 9-11 or, like, looking to make jokes about 9-11. It's a, it's a case of that, like, it was just such a big moment mm-hmm. in my life. And I was terrified after it. Mm-hmm. I remember um, coming out of school and I remember getting into a, a my friend um, Dylan and Gavin Ryan's mum's car. Uh, and um, she used to give me a lift home from school. Uh, her and my mum used to alternate days. And I got into the car and she said, did you hear what happened? And I don't think we'd heard what happened. Or maybe we had. But she was kind of telling us about it. And I remember her saying... And I can't remember the nationalities, but I think I remember her saying like something along the lines of, if it was the Iranians, we're okay, because they're a bit crazy. But if it's the Russians, we're fucked, because then it's serious. Something like that. Um, I mean, I think that was in terms of like, 
what would the aftermath would yeah. be in terms of like because obviously like she didn't mean uh, there was no badness in what she was saying I think it was just like everyone was trying to make sense of what happened thoughts unfolding, like, yeah. yeah no one knew what was happening she was talking to like a car full of kids which was probably the last thing that like she needed I'm sure everyone was scared so I remember being really really afraid and my other memory of 9-11 is when I went to Chicago I think I might have talked about this in the podcast before but I did this amazing class with this amazing woman um, she could have been another woman that I greatly admire Stephanie Shaw is her name and she is a just a beautiful soul and a beautiful artist and she has a beautiful husband Brian Shaw and they're two amazing teachers in Columbia was that solo performance yes 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 solo performance so basically uh, the premise of it was it was that you would be like a writer actor uh, and it's not actor it's performer actually because you're never a character you're always yourself and you're always telling like a story that's true to you or at least that's the premise of it and it was work that changed my life because it was kind of the thing that made me realize that yeah like I have a voice and my voice is interesting to other people and I wrote this piece called the falling man and um, so we got prompts week by week so the prompt would be like a uh, write uh, normally a five minute piece um, about it could be your mom, it could be your dad one week, one week it could be a person from history, one week it could be a moment that you'll never forget, one week it could be religion, it could be any of these things, right? Um, and this one was a, a person from history and I um, I didn't want to do something like Martin Luther King and it, I didn't, I didn't like, like I'm not that into history, like mm. not to sound uneducated but like I'm just not, not thing, yeah. yeah. And I was like, what am I going to write about? And then I, I, I don't know where the thought came from but I was like, you know that falling man? There's this amazing picture. If you put yeah, it into it's incredible. the yeah. man with the briefcase, and he's literally perfectly upside down, like uh, like he like he looks so calm. He kind of looks like his leg is leaning against the wall, but he's falling upside down from the top of the twin towers. It's it's the most haunting image I've ever seen in my life. And I wrote about that guy, and I wrote this piece. And uh, I'm not gonna lie, it was I'm really proud of it. It was a really beautiful piece, I think. But it was like, um, and I got down on my knees, and I got these two big boxes and I built them uh, above my head so they kind of represented the towers so to speak um, even though that was never said you didn't like introduce these pieces all. so you literally set up your space and you did I got down on my knees and I put my hands out by my side to kind of make myself nearly look like an airplane it's only when I'm doing that now I realise that and I just kind of slowly like rotated my hands like this I'm doing it for Taz but if you can't see I'm just really slowly kind of like move my hands in a little circle and I did this piece and I can't really remember much of the piece but it went something along the lines of like I wonder if the falling man clipped his toenails on Tuesday. I wonder if the falling man enjoyed mowing the grass. I wonder if the falling man ever had a threesome. I wonder if the falling man knew that he'd die on a Tuesday. And like as the piece transpired, you kind of got the sense of like, you know, I wonder if the falling man was afraid of heights. I wonder if the falling man you know, whatever. That's incredible. Yeah, it, it was interesting and I don't know where the idea came from. I just started writing all these rhetorical questions that kind of like humanised him in a sense like it didn't matter whether he did or not but it was all like these are things that we all do and uh, I don't know where that came from but it was just a real, it was a real special piece and I remember the American students being so struck they were like, not that they were like we didn't think you'd know about 9-11 but they were like it was so weird to them that like I think I was the only person in the whole class that like properly addressed 9-11 and I was the only non-American and that wasn't like a choice that wasn't me being like look I'm so in touch with your culture yeah. it was just like it just left a big fucking impact on me mm. um, so they would be my 9-11 memories that sounds amazing though that piece it was great really, I, I should really dig it out and do I'd love to hear it and edit it's it. like I don't know it just it, it sounds re- it, it just kind of like normalises it you know, maybe I'll dig it out and we can put it into the episode that would be amazing yeah let's do it yeah let's do it I wonder if the falling man believed in God. 
I wonder if the falling man wore a Rolex watch. I wonder if the falling man counted calories. I wonder if the falling man was allergic to cats. I wonder if the falling man liked the 106th floor. I wonder if the falling man liked to cut the grass. I wonder if the falling man judged people by the length of their fingernails. I wonder if the falling man closed his eyes before he fell. I wonder if the falling man masturbated that morning. I wonder if the falling man liked melon in his fruit salad. I wonder if the falling man liked fruit salad. I wonder if the falling man learnt something as he fell. I wonder if the falling man ever snorted cocaine. I wonder if the falling man knew what date it was. I wonder if the falling man had ever been in love. I wonder if the falling man washed his hands with soap. I wonder if the falling man tried to count the passing windows. I wonder if the falling man liked goat's cheese. I wonder if the falling man had ever been upside down before. I wonder if the falling man liked to light scented candles. I wonder if the falling man had ever shot a gun. I wonder if the falling man ever kissed another man. I wonder if the falling man liked to shave his pubic hair. I wonder if the falling man was afraid of heights. I wonder if the falling man ate breakfast that morning. I wonder if the falling man liked Tuesdays. I wonder if the falling man went to karaoke bars. I wonder if the falling man believed in hell. I wonder if the falling man believed karaoke bars were hell. I wonder if the falling man counted one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, before he hit the ground. I wonder if the falling man ever pissed in public. I wonder if the falling man liked carrying a briefcase. I wonder if the falling man had a favourite tie. I wonder if the falling man had ever punched a woman. I wonder if the falling man had a favourite child. I wonder if the falling man wore socks with sandals. I wonder if the falling man cried that week. I wonder if the falling man was good in bed. I wonder if the falling man liked New York. I wonder if the falling man made eye contact in elevators. I wonder if the falling man would have voted for Hillary Clinton. I wonder if the falling man liked his father. I wonder if the falling man ever paid for sex. I wonder if the falling man could play the piano. I wonder if the falling man had a nice smile. I wonder if the falling man left a space at urinals. I wonder if the falling man liked having his photograph taken. I wonder if the falling man believed in God. Okay, next okay. question? Yeah, sweet. Number two. Don't have it. I say that was awful sound for the listener there, so I apologize <laughs> for that. There's a reason Tom does this and not me. Yeah. <laughs> Number two, do you consider yourself an introvert or an extrovert? Oh, yes. So I consider myself to be an introvert, okay. um, but most people disagree with me when I say that, and they say, that's bullshit. Like, I have not stopped talking, and I talk very fast, <laughs> and I can talk articulately sometimes, um, even though I know I do a lot of airs and likes, and I'm really sorry about that. Some of my speech patterns are very frustrating for me as well as you, so I do apologize. But am I an introvert? Yes, I think I get my energy from being by myself. Uh, I talk a lot of 
about like writing on this podcast because I love writing. Writing is like my favorite thing to do. One of my other favorite things to do is go running by myself to go to the cinema. Never go cinema with someone by myself. Um, I think I get my energy from being by myself, but if I'm left by myself for too long, it affects me. But I think what really affects me is being around people because I've said this in the podcast before I think the way we know for introverted or extroverted is where you get your energy from so I believe I get my energy from being by myself and um, that kind of thing but nothing sucks energy from me more than just like negativity and, and people I was thinking about that I think that's a really thing that I've been really successful at doing in the last while is cutting that out of my life because I have some wonderful friends who just aren't good for me because they get their energy from like bitching and I, and I have to come to terms with that and like that's how they make themselves feel well in the world and that's actually okay mm-hmm. and that was a really hard thing for me because I felt like it really affects me when people are negative around me so like if anyone's listening and there's someone in my life like that probably means I deem you to be a source of positivity and I mean I guess there's something like inherently selfish about that but there's this real weird thing where we like kind of talk about selfishness as like as a as a like as a bad thing but like I was thinking about the other day and like all the good things that I do in the world and God knows there's not that many of them but like even if you want to use like putting a podcast out for free that people like you could look at that as a good thing it's also highly selfish because I get an awful lot from it I get to talk to you you know which is great I've had a friendship with you that's highly selfish I've met all the people ahead stuff highly selfish I've had 50 guests on this podcast that I, I, I a lot of them I didn't know a lot of them I didn't know that well and I know them all better now I've like developed a bigger network of friends of like contacts of all these things it's all highly selfish even like if I you know give money to a homeless man that looks like a good thing but that makes me feel good you know what I mean so um I think yeah ultimately I am um introverted but um but like at the same time I really I really like do get energy from other people but Maybe it's that I feel like I can control the energy that I give to myself. Whereas if I'm in an extroverted mode and I'm at a party or I'm meeting my friends, like because you're vibing off someone, it really, really just affects you. What you're like the wall that you're bouncing off. You know what I mean? So I like bouncy walls, not walls that make my balls drop. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. No, I know what you mean. Like I think it's where you get your energy from is a kind of a really good description of it. Because I find it's for me, it's where my where my mind is more at ease. Because I'm definitely. Like I'm introverted in ways, but I would prefer to be surrounded by people than on my own. Because if I'm on when I'm on my own, my mind races. Yes. Whereas when I'm around people, that kind of even if it's in a coffee shop, I go to libraries a lot to do work. Just it just calms my mind a bit. If I'm completely on my own, my mind races. Mm. So I think it's kind of the same as like where you get. I don't know where you you know what 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 were we saying where you where you get your energy yeah from. where you get your energy from sorry like it's it's kind of the same premise I think you know yeah. What I mean? Just Absolutely. like a, where your state of mind is kind of happiest. Yeah, 100%. Cool. Next question. Yes. Oh, shit. Two came out. I'll just put one back in. Oh, yeah. That happened a lot of times. Look, I'll just stick it there. Yeah, that's that's what I do. <laughs> that's what I do, too. Okay, number 34. I do not have it. No, sugar. It's not looking likely, Tom. Okay, <laughs> number 34. Tell us about a moment in your life you would describe as a close call. A moment in my life to describe as a close call. Oh, well, I talked about drowning. Oh, yeah. Let me find another one. Um... A moment in my life I describe as a close call. The drowning ones would be the first um, that come to mind. I don't think I've ever been... That's a, that's a shit question. That's one of the ones we talked about getting rid of. Do you know what we, we talked about putting in? Maybe this is useful. Not, I'm not trying to avoid the question, but yeah. the drowning, honestly, is the closest I can give to that. We talked about being um, 
adding in the middle. Yeah, because I saw middle. That's there. what middle was there Let's for. Just put that in instead. Okay? Yeah, because we've heard the drowning story. Yeah, so guys, close call. Okay. we're workshopping here. So what we were talking about doing is put, talking in like where you come in the family. So yeah. I am the eldest. And how do you think that like that changes your your mind mindset? Yeah. Really interesting. I my mom was telling me the other day about how she really believes in like the way we're born and how we kind of literally like come out of like vaginas and how that really affects like who you are in the world. And like I was um someone who just like came out real fast do you know what I mean and like in a real hurry and kind of like it all happened really quickly and I was in a real hurry to get, get out I think I was like it wasn't like super early at all like maybe like a day or something um, but I was just she was like you were just in a real hurry and like that's kind of how I am in the world even you're hearing me talk I know I talk in a mile a minute I hope it's not annoying for people but like that's just that's really naturally who I am and I do a lot of things I do them very quickly I'm really 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 impatient to an absolute fault it can also work in my favour sometimes but it's definitely like a bad thing a lot of the time um, and I think that you know being the eldest I have a, very recently I've started to think about the impact that what it must be like to be a brother of mine um because I don't live at home anymore and sometimes I wonder like do I make enough effort with my brothers um because you know we talked about being selfish like I there's a lot of things I want to do and there's a lot of things that I do do and I think I've started for the first time over the last year maybe like thinking about making time for other people really um because that's important as well like in in my rush which is my way in the world like to rush um to do all these things that I want to do just to be like you know so for Christmas say with my brothers I'll, I don't buy them presents I buy them like things that we can do together so like me and Richard who's my um the, the middle child in our family like we're gonna go and see a match together which is great because the way in with me and Richard is football like that's our thing and like from there we'll start to talk about other things we'll start to talk about his mates and stuff but like for example like I don't know is Richard like seeing a girl at the moment we don't really have that relationship mm-hmm. and in one way that makes me sad and in another way I'm like well that's okay I think I get closer and closer to my brothers the older they get which I think yeah, is natural yeah oh, absolutely I'm the same with mine yeah yeah because you know when you're kids you're not real humans yet where now I know what Richard's like as a dude I know what I'd think of Richard you know relatively speaking if I met him in a bar I, I, he's a great guy I, I think I'd really like him but I don't think like it's one of them things if we were if he wasn't my brother I don't know would we be friends which is not to say that he's a brilliant person because he absolutely is but it's like it's like um, I look around at my friends and I'm like gosh it's amazing how much I need to have like kind of in common or oppositional to a person to like have them as a friend in my life whereas Richard is like one of the nicest guys very calm very so different to me if you were to meet us you would not think we're brothers <laughs> which is so brilliant which is why I really like him whenever I hang out I'm like Jesus he is a super dude yeah. do you know what I mean and it's so it's so it's so lucky that I have someone like him like kind of in my life that like yeah if we were just two blokes in the world we probably wouldn't be friends to be honest I'm sure he'd tell you the same thing and that's not out of like badness or not because I don't think he's great just because I think of like life we probably wouldn't different people different people but he's so great then whereas Ben who's my youngest brother um is I find very challenging at the moment we we we, we had a big fight um uh, on Christmas Eve and like to a degree I think we affected everyone's Christmas like negatively which I feel quite bad about um and what I really did you fight about? we fought about a script that I wrote um where uh the script that I'm talking about this thing for TV and it's starting to kind of I don't want to say it's starting to go places but it's starting to become the the prospect of maybe it getting into the hands of someone who can get it made and Incredible. it's starting to like go places so momentum kinda. yeah and Ben's a filmmaker and I really respect his opinion and he's taught me a lot and I don't mean that in a in a like in a in a token nice thing to say about your brother way I mean he's literally taught me a lot about screenwriting because it's not something I know about um 
and so I send him a lot of my stuff and I we get notes and he tells me what he thinks is working and what I don't what he doesn't think is working and then when he writes films he often writes them for me to be in um he wrote a great film recently that people should check out. It's called A Million Stars Already Dead and I play the lead in it and it's great. He's he's really talented. But we fought about the script that I wrote um, because I... It's a very... It's great because it's actually... It's a really... Uh, like No more with the podcast. I, I think I'm quite... I would... To compliment myself, which I've done a few times in this podcast, but I think I'm quite good at like um, gender stuff. I think like I write good female characters, just like flawed women and interesting women and not like stereotypes. Um, uh, and... Uh, I kind of sometimes, not that I pat myself on the back for that, but I think that's important. And Ben called me out on something which I found very challenging and I actually don't agree with him on, but it was interesting. He called me out on the fact that there's no races listed in the script. So I don't have I don't have any of the characters listed as white. I don't have any of the characters listed as black or Asian or anything um, or like, uh, you know, Eastern European. I just don't have anything like that in it. Um, but the script is set in Dublin and I wrote all the voices to be... Irish voices and I so I didn't list any ethnicities is the point and he said that that is fundamentally racist because that means that they are going to inevitably be played by white people um, and we had a big argument this is hard to talk about but this is maybe it's useful um, and we had an argument about it and I said well I don't think that that's true necessarily because as in if I was involved in the show like I said I'd like to be really involved in it because I've written it and I, I, I wrote it to be one of the lead characters in it as well and I'd really like to have a big say and be like, no, no, this should. There is no reason that any of these characters need to be white or anything. I do believe, on some level, that these characters should, like, uh, they, they. I just wrote them to sound Irish. That does not mean that there. We all have tons of black friends that sound Irish. You know I mean, it's really difficult to talk about this. Um, but anyway, so we had this thing where he's like, that is racist because unless you specifically say that this person has to be played by a black person, it'll be played by a white person, and you are being part of the problem. And I disagreed yeah. uh, it's really tricky this is very difficult for me to talk about uh, and I disagreed and I said I think it's actually more dishonest of me to write in a black character just because you're saying that I should when that's not how it's like I tokenism or something. it's like tokenism and I think that that is as big a part of the problem I said now what I did say was like if this script was set in America if this was set in Chicago for example where I lived and where I had tons of black friends the reality of my life in Ireland is I don't have a lot of black friends and that is not out of like racism that is about the practicality of the communities that that I exist in. Now, maybe the communities are inherently racist. Now, maybe that's a different conversation to have. But me as a person, I really do not believe that I am racist. But I was like, I kind of write the world that I'm in. And like, uh, and you know, it's really hard to talk about because on some level, there's a part of me that's like, yeah, he's possibly right. But on the other level, there's something that felt like really dishonest about it. So we had a big fight. And what's difficult about arguing with Ben is he is so like me. And he talks like me, and he can get aggressive like me, and he is emotional. And he's still a teenager, like isn't he? And he's yeah. eighteen, yeah. so he's not. Uh, maybe he's not a uh, not as as reasonable as me, and not able to see both sides of it. Because that's what I was trying to say. I was like, "Look, pardon the pun. This is not a black and white issue. Do you know what I mean? It, this this is something that exists in the grey. And I think what Ben's problem is, uh, I would say, and like a lot of the people whose um, lives. Um, Ben is very, very, very intelligent for his age and he is very in touch with a very specific side of culture that social media has enabled him to be in touch with and it's that thing of, I think he's in a real echo chamber mm -hmm. and he is in school and he's very intelligent and he's very articulate but he's also very sheltered um, and he uh, and you know and he was like you just think I'm idealistic and it's like Ben I'm super idealistic. The funny thing about this script that I've written is it's very, it's very, um, it's very liberal. It's, 
I think I'm a very liberal person. Um, it's a hyper-liberal script. There's, like, bisexuality in it, and there's... I don't need to go into all the things that are in it, because that's fucking nonsense. But, um... Yeah, so that was just, it was just, it's just a challenging thing about having siblings. So I mean, me and Richard, what I said, the wonderful thing about me and Richard is we're very different and that's why I love him. And the wonderful thing about Ben is we're very similar, which is why I love him. But they're also both challenges that I find at my two brothers. Um, And being the oldest, I think you probably have a responsibility to look after your younger brothers. And I think that's maybe something that I could do better as a person. Mm. And do do you kind of feel a pressure to go home? How often do you go home? Yeah, when I'm working, not a lot. Uh, in Panto, for example, not a lot. Uh, I had like one day off this Christmas and uh, other than that was two shows every day and I just don't go home because I would not be good to be around at home. I find like that to be challenging and talking about being, you know, an introvert, like that's a lot of time for me to spend with people because that's kind of like, you know, eight hours a day and then Christmas, there's a lot of socialising with like your friends and your family. So uh, not a lot then when I'm not working, I go home an awful lot. Um, again, talking about the selfishness because I find them to be an incredible support network and they make me feel good and I love them to bits. I talk to my family a lot though. I'm good at like calling and my family have gotten good at coming and meeting me in town and kind of understanding that like I'm busy as well, which has been really, really great because I think I felt a lot of guilt about moving out. I felt like a little bit like I was abandoning mm-hmm. my family because I'm... I think I'm I I am still the only one of my friends from home who's moved out bar one person who who works in the army and kind of has to live in like a barracks. Yeah. So I'm the only person who's like moved out and pays rent and um, because I live like on the suburbs of Dublin but it was really important for me to be able to do that and to be able to pay my bills bills purely through like my artistic life when I could because I just felt like that would drive me to force myself to keep working um but I, I kind of did feel like a weird thing about like, yeah, like abandoning my family. I like. still feel like that. And I had to move up. I'm from Mullingar. I had to move up to Dublin for college. But even like, I don't get home nearly as much as I'd, I'd want to. But it's just, it's just not, it's just not feasible sometimes. But I do feel, you do feel a lot of guilt because like, these are the people who brought me into the world. I adore them with all my heart. I don't want, I don't want them to think that, you know, there's other things that are more important than them, but it's just it's just it's just not feasible most of the time, you know. No, and I mean like and then you have like a you have a boyfriend as well and then you're like so if you have a day then you kinda of feel a bit of pressure like spend it with him and then like you know, it's it's tricky. There's there's a lot of elements to it, but um but I do I, I, I don't I think I'm very good at communicating with my parents and letting them know and they've gotten really good at listening to me and understanding that if I'm not coming home it's not out of badness or it's not out of a lack of love. It's out of like I think my mum and dad have gotten really good at just being like kind of just I think they know that I work hard and that I, I am conscientious of these things and that I am doing You're doing my, your thing doing my best and doing my best to think of everyone in, in the way that makes the most sense at the time Yeah, if that makes sense yeah amen sweet okay this next one. Oh, that was already it oh yes N- number 53 I do not have it no okay do you have an obsessive personality yes definitely um yeah, uh, lately I've been really obsessed with like writing. I've been like writing like too much, and I've had to like catch myself. It's really embarrassing. I find I find like I think we were talking about this in like a really recent episode, I, but I find like I find being obsessed with anything embarrassing. I find getting obsessed with like work really embarrassing, and that's like a thing that I do because I think it's really embarrassing to like try hard. But I am someone who tries really hard. Like, and I it's actually my my trying hard in recent years had to be like just like trying less hard in certain aspects you know um so i think i can get obsessed with that but i get obsessed with everything i think glenn i've got hansard glenn hansard <laughs> oh that's an excellent point like as in i have a playlist it's funny i just got it to 60 songs there are only 60 songs in the world that i like i think and i, I just have that playlist and that's all i listen to because i don't i don't like and, and, I, and it's not even that i'm obsessed with that playlist it's just like that's all 
um, I want to I want to consume like there's this podcast that I love I've talked about it before you made it weird mm-hmm. I've listened to that three times I love that I know I love that and it makes me feel really good don't get me wrong I listen to other things as well but like I really like the Joe Rogan podcast so I listen to that you know a, a lot not not obsessively I get I have an addictive personality I've had like addictions with like uh, nothing nothing too serious thank god I'm not gonna I, I've never tried heroin um, but I like I'm ad- I definitely probably am addicted to Diet Coke I drink way too much Diet Coke. On, our, on my episode, you were drinking two litres of Pepsi Max. No, it wasn't. It was 750 millilitres. <laughs> but like, I uh, would often, I would say like, I drink on average two litres of Diet Coke a day. I know I know that's awful. I know. I, you're making an awful face. I'm ashamed of myself. But like, I'm being honest. I'm being honest. You're being honest. You're being honest. But it's awful. Like, I, my mom's so afraid I'm going to get cancer, which makes me afraid I'm going to get cancer. Uh, and I know that people think Diet Coke gives you cancer. Maybe it does. It's really bad, but I'm I'm addicted to it. You could be addicted to worse things is sometimes the way I justify it to myself. Uh, I've been addicted to probably the gym. Um, at times, uh, I've... Yeah, I've been addicted to a lot of things um, in a kind of obsessive way, but nothing, like, really, like, really, really detrimental. Um, thank God. Touch wood. Um... But yeah, I think I do have an obsessive personality. Yeah, I obsess about like I obsess about fears a lot. I get very like I, I I'm very afraid actually, and I think it probably does come from like my mom. I talked about that earlier, and not to blame her in any way because that's not true. But like it, I do think they come hand in hand. So I guess it is to blame her, but I very lovingly mm-hmm. to blame her. Um, that like I'm so afraid of so many things. Like I'm really afraid of rats. Like I have to check the roof of my shower for rats. I have this real fear that like a wet rat from the shower is gonna come scuttling down my face and his fucking tail's gonna flick my nipple <laughs> gonna make my nipple erect and it's gonna scutter down my genitals and then it will be around my feet every, and then it will piss at me and I'll have to go Can you like rationalise your fears though? Because like when I get so, when I get if I get really scared about anything even if I get anxious about anything I have to just rationalise it like if the rat falls on my head it will go down my body and it'll be gross but I won't die uh, or can you is that just you just can't even I can't even get your mind to that place you might die from a rat but no no, <laughs> uh, no because my other one of my other big fears is the Virgin Mary I've always been I think I've said this before I've always been really afraid of seeing the Virgin Mary uh, I'm really afraid of sharks in like in the Irish Sea in swimming pools I'm really I think I've talked about this before I'm really afraid of seeing a shark in a swimming pool but swimming pools also really remind me of the Virgin Mary because they have that like light blue colour which for so some shark reason shark Virgin Mary so I will be like swimming lengths of a pool being like, I gotta get away from this fucking shark because I honestly always feel in the water like there's going to be a shark that's going to fucking eat my leg. I wonder if that's some way linked to like your near-death experience. Yeah, maybe. P- maybe. I mean, you can be a creative therapist on me if you want. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. But creative like, therapy with Taz <laughs> Yeah, that, that could be a spin-off. Um, which which I'm in no way qualified to do. <laughs> yeah, which would be the fun of it. Um, but yeah, like so, I am I am obsessive. Um, and yeah, obsession is almost always not good. I think like I am quite obsessed with like my work and stuff like that. And I think that can be good in the sense that you get a lot done, but it can also be a problem in the sense that um, yeah, like inevitably, if you're doing a lot of one thing, you're not doing enough of other things. So um. You know, like anything, it, 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 it has its pros and its cons. But yeah, fundamentally, I think I'm an obsessive person. Very good. Next question? Yes. Number 15. Number 15, I do not have. Number 15. Do you... Oh, no. Uh, how did you find out the truth about Santa? Oh, through an episode of Friends. 
no. Yeah, and I was way too young to have found out. I was probably way too young to be watching Friends, in truth. But Friends was gas. Uh, and I was watching it, and uh, I think I was watching it... I think my mum was watching it, had gone into the kitchen the bombshell was dropped and she came back and I just pretended like I didn't know you know I lived a lie for a few years because uh, I was afraid that if I you know acknowledged it that the presence would deplete and uh, going back to selfish little Tom I didn't want that Um, so I just lived a lie for a while I was never one of them kids who would have told my friends or people in school but I remember um, Key and Murta who was in school and Keen could be a bow boy I don't know what he's doing now but he could be a bow boy and he told everyone that it wasn't real and he got yanked out of class you know I assume by one of the teachers to say something along the lines of look Keen, I know you might know that but everyone else doesn't know that please don't ruin it for everyone and I remember like just like I didn't get up in front of the class it wasn't a fucking like dead poet society moment but I remember just whispering to my friends being like no 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 I was talking to my mum the other day it's definitely true guys don't worry and I'm sure we all on some level knew that it wasn't but we all kind of like yeah 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 no it's going to be fine we all try to rationalise it for ourselves so um so yeah i found out via i think it was joey tribbiani oh no joey the devil matt leblanc okay number 46 i do not have 46 what's the best piece of advice you've ever received uh again i find all this i have a, a wall of posters that I designed myself in my bedroom um, they're not like you're looking at me like it's porn it's not porn it's the opposite of porn it's like motivation porn it's kind of disgusting like I said I find like that really embarrassing I really do uh, I find it really embarrassing to like kind of be self-motivated and to, to be hardworking or to do it like publicly like I'd never be the person who like will Instagram his writing but like it's such a part of me that I'm not able to have a conversation honestly like this about you without talking about it so I, I kind of have to reconcile that with myself so I listen to a lot of podcasts which is how I get a lot of my advice and I listen to a lot of like showbiz podcasts and a lot of American podcasts and there's this quote and it's kind of been attributed to uh, a few people and um, Barry Katz is who I believe said it first, but this this is, uh, you know, it it it's um it's a quote that makes sense. I don't think it's gonna be um, uh, I don't think it matters who said it first because uh, it's kind of about like whether you go along with it or not. But again, I think it's a bit un- embarrassing because of how on the nose it is. But the quote is, "If you're undeniable, you will not be denied." And I've always really liked that quote because it's just, it's very empowering. And I I really like that about it. And I mean, you can argue about like what is undeniable because I think like it's a fundamental fact that there are loads of people who probably act undeniably in the sense that they do all the things you're meant to do to get the thing that you want to want. And I think that's what that means. It's to like work your hardest and cover all your bases and work harder than anyone else. And like hopefully your life will work out the way you want your life to work out. Um, And then... I always say it but the saddest thing in the world is the people that do all that and then it doesn't happen for them for whatever reason maybe they never got the look maybe circumstances didn't allow for it maybe it was their gender their ethnicity their sexuality their religion any of these things that got in the way I don't know whatever it might have been but something with their talent something gets in the way Um, but sometimes it's not useful to think about those people when you're thinking about yourself because you just have to like kind of blindly trust that you won't be that person and you'll be the undeniable person who is not denied um, and I've always just found that to be really useful for me and I think what what's good for me is if sometimes I wake up and I'm like I set my alarm to get up and go for a run or go to the gym or to get up and do some writing or whatever it might be and just to be like if it's a day where I don't have to get up and there haven't been a lot of them lately but if it is when I see that wall of like all those posters and all the people that I admire I'm like what would Bradley Cooper do? Bradley Cooper would get up and Bradley Cooper's there looking down at me. Yeah. It's really weird. Like, and um, whenever I, I have like friends over or uh, or 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 other people over, like th- like it's very embarrassing for me to like for them to see the wall because it's such a fucking <laughs> blank 
like it's such I'm a, mad to see this wall now. I'll take a picture of it for do. you. It's um like it's embarrassing, but it you know what it it, it helps me, and I I actually do on some level really like it. They all fall down though; they're sticky taped up there, so uh, I need to get more glue tack. But uh, yeah, so if you're undeniable, you will not be denied. That's I, a I th- good one. I think it's a good one. Mm, I like that. Okay. Number forty-two. I do not have. What is your biggest career disappointment? Uh. Again, I've talked about this once on the Katie McCann episode and maybe on the Stephen Jones episode. I think I remember. Um, but I was cast in a show called The Blue Irish that was going to Broadway and I was cast... Um, I'd auditioned a few times and had done good auditions and I knew I was very close to getting it because of the way the meetings had gone and they were kind of... I was going over to like directors' kind of houses, not in a Harvey Weinstein kind of way, more in a like... <laughs> we have a really nice piano and a recording studio way here. It was all very appropriate. Uh, but... Um, I signed the contract uh, it was for like loads of money more so it was for Broadway which was something that was such a dream of mine it didn't even feel like a dream do you know what I mean it didn't even feel like a reality I should say Broadway for like a just a kid growing up in like Meath just it doesn't make sense especially not at 22 which I think I would I would have turned 23 over there uh, I got cast uh, in like uh, in the ensemble for Broadway um, and then I was going to be taking over like the kind of young romantic male lead role for uh, a US tour um, all my friends I told my friends because the contract was signed so I was like set in stone you yeah I didn't, like, I didn't put it on social media because that would have been bad but I told my close friends which is something that you know in hindsight I'm not sure if I'd do that again I probably would because I'd get excited and I'd want to share it with people but um and we all had this cr- one of the best nights of my life, actually. So I mean, that was the silver lining. We went, we just went to the pub and got hammered, <laughs> so drunk. They made me sing a song. I, I tried to sing a Glenn Hansard song. I couldn't sing it because like <laughs> I, I was, we were all so drunk. But it was such a happy night, and everyone was. And it was, do you know what what it was? Everyone was so happy for me, uh, and I was so happy to be around everyone I love and like getting to kind of share my dream with them and I remember going home I didn't call my mum or dad I went home and I didn't know anything was up I didn't even tell them I was auditioning for this and then so I was out of the blue for them they were getting this news their son was going to Broadway it was crazy for everyone involved and then uh, we all went for this meeting I met all the cast and the crew and it was very exciting in this hotel this was six days before we started the rehearsals for our Broadway run of this big Irish show that there was a bit of buzz about and we got called into this room and the American producer came up and he said guys it's lovely to meet the cast of the Bloody Irish but I'm sorry to inform you that the Bloody Irish has been postponed and there was a silence like that after because he left the silence it was actually very theatrical Um <laughs> And I think we are probably no one could believe it. I never felt. I was was were the whole cast Irish. Yeah, they were all you know a lot like really? there there were some not like celebrities in it, but like there were like a lot of well known like theater, mm. well respected actors. Like it was a really big gig for me, just in the sense of the people I would have been yeah. working with, people that I really admired and still do admire and still want to work with in the future. And the show was cancelled. Uh, we were we were told it was postponed. That was a lie. I now believe um, we were not compensated for our contract. So I had to move house. Uh, I had to get you know uh, a day job, which is which is fine. But it was just such a shock going from like Broadway to be then hosting these. Two, I, I became a tour guide for for a few months until I, I managed to get more acting work because the way acting works is you, you kind of have to book yourself in advance for gigs because you know you need it. And this this happened like six days before we went um, we went on on the gig and it got cancelled and we weren't compensated. We got I think we got something like three percent of our our three percent of our contracts compensated, which translated to like a few hundred euro, um, which was just not in any way, 
youthful uh, and I was really broke and really upset and more so I was just mentally unwell after because mm. I felt so ashamed that I told all my friends about this amazing thing that was happening to me and it, I felt like people thought I'd lied about it you know what I mean yeah. even though no one did everyone was just sorry for me yeah but I was just so upset for a long time um for an awful long time and uh, yeah it took me a long time to get over it I, and it's funny the question there is, does everything happen for a reason I now believe that it probably does like to go to Broadway at that age would have been amazing and it would have and I wish it happened but at the same time that was such a big disappointment for me and I always think it can always be worse but that was pretty bad and I, I, I don't think there's any harm as a young man and as a young actor to have had a kick in the teeth like that because as someone who grew up loving musicals loving the Tony Awards and stuff to be on like on the stage of one of the biggest theatres in Broadway like was um was such an amazing thing but it kind of opened my mind up to the fact that well like oh that's that's possible though as well that happened like let's be real Tom that happened like six months after you came out of drama school mm. so it also kind of like expanded my mind in that way being like well look if that can happen what else can happen like I know it didn't happen but it could have happened yeah. you know so it was really useful in that way and it was also really useful to get a kick in the teeth and to come back from it and um, and I went and I made like some of my own work and did some things that you know maybe I wouldn't have done if I went in Broadway because maybe then I would have been like right well I need to move to New York and I need to like just try and be in loads of Broadway musicals now that I'm like a Broadway kid and I'm um, I'm not sure that that's the right path yeah. for me. You know what I mean? Um, so, so, but that was the biggest career disappointment, and it was one of the worst things that's ever happened to me. Yeah, it's kind of nice though to have a practice at disappointment, though. Do you know, it's yeah. like now if the next time you're faced with it, you know that you've gotten over it before and you can do it again. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Thirty-one. I do not have. Oh no! How many questions? How many numbers have you gotten so far? I've only got one. And oh, we've... that is very disappointing. And we've done. Five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. You've been pacing this episode really well. Have I? Well done. Okay, uh, maybe I should just take. We should keep going. I'm just having saying, fun. This is great. <laughs> okay, thirty-one. And um, what's your least favorite word? Oh, unfortunately, mm. I hate it. I, as an actor, I get bad news that way. Uh, so it, it's synonymous with me with like financial hardship and like artistic frustration and loads of things like that. So when I see unfortunately in an e email, I normally will just X out of it and, and leave it for like a few hours because I find it, it can be quite painful to get mm -hmm. bad news that way. So I don't like, unfortunately, I have all the obvious ones like moist and seeping and yeah. all those things. Um, but unfortunately is a bad, a bad word for me. Cancer. I th cancer is a scary word. Yeah. Um, cancer has been something that's kind of been in my life uh, lately unfortunately and um, it's not a nice word um, so they're kind of like loads of different like I mean moist and stuff is because you associated it with like fucking weird vaginal things or something I don't know uh, where it, like unfortunately is like with like career stuff and then cancer yeah. is with death yeah um, and that's a fairly like wide spectrum of bad words mm, well there you go <laughs> okay Number four. I do not have. Okay. What would what what would seven year old you think of the person you've become? Oh, honestly, I think he'd be really like. Is in if <clears throat> first of all, you'd have to say, listen, seven year old Tom. Once you hit the age of twelve, you're gonna meet this gal. She's English and she's a fox. Yeah. You're going to get your bit. Yeah. Don't put your hand on her hips. Keep them <laughs> in her pockets. She's happy with the pocket situation. And blow your fucking nose. Um, and don't ask her for round two. <laughs> Just take what you got. Take what you got. You're shooting above your 
above your um above your station here or whatever the correct phrase would be. Um, seven year old, you would probably think I was great. You would. Um, I'm just being honest. Uh, I think I when I was younger, I kind of looked up to guys. <sighs> I'm trying to think like practically like who are taller than me. Uh, I think like on some level, I had like an understanding of like um people who did something that I thought was cool like mm-hmm. uh, I remember going to see Pantos as a kid and stuff and like thinking that was cool and um, remember seeing like people on like film and TV and like that's kind of what I do and certainly hope to do more of and like think like that was really cool and um, I also still do all the things that I thought were cool then like I play football I'm going to play football now after we do this and it's going to be great and um, I do all those things I think I've got a great group of friends uh, I probably thought like on some level drinking was cool when I was that age uh, I've started drinking again I didn't drink for a while at the start of this year for like six months which was really interesting as well how did you find that? I found that great and challenging mm-hmm. uh, and eye opening um, I found not drinking to be really important because I just my relationship with it just got a bit skewed again I, was, I wasn't I was in no way an alcoholic or anything like that, but I was drinking too much and just not drinking well. Like, and I wasn't remembering things. I've got a really bad memory, and I get really sleepy when I drink. So I was like, found myself like falling asleep sometimes mm. on a night out. Like when you're meant to be out with your friends, I was like, this is embarrassing. I didn't yeah. want to do that anymore. Um, and I, and I, so I had to like call myself out on that. And I just, I'm, and I, I'm a very obsessive person, so I got obsessed with like not drinking. And I, I've, tr- and I, that was one of the things that I just didn't think that was useful either because. There were times, especially if I was meeting up one-to-one with a friend, especially then, or I I, I would really want to have a drink with them because I hated feeling like I was impacting on the other person's ability to enjoy themselves. Yeah. Like, I hate because people feel weird about being the only one drinking in a situation, which I understand. But if you are one of them people, I would say, and you have someone in your life who doesn't drink, the biggest blessing you can do is if you want to have a drink, have the drink around them. They don't care. Yeah. They almost definitely don't care. And it's actually very freeing to know that you're not impacting on someone else um, because that was something that I was really worried about. I was like, oh, I don't want to like not be invited to things. Yeah. They were the things I thought. I thought like I, I was single and I was like, maybe people don't want to go out with someone who doesn't drink because they're like, they'll want to have like a glass of wine and watch a movie or they'll like be like, I can't bring him to like parties and stuff because everyone's going to be drinking and he's not. I had all these thoughts and they're all kind of sad thoughts to have had. And, and ultimately that wasn't the reason that I didn't go I, di- I went back to drinking the reason I went back to drinking was because I wanted to have a drink I wanted to have like I love having a pint of Guinness and I wanted to learn how to do it in more moderation and I think largely speaking I've managed to do that but uh, I've been toying with the idea of like going on a little dry spell again at the start of this year not because it's gone out of control or anything like that again I just think that it's a useful thing to do it's just to check yourself all the time and mm. just be like can I stop drinking because it's, it's hard yeah I'm doing dry January at the moment how are you finding it like tough to be honest because like I would I the, a lot of the stuff I do would be at night time and my boyfriend's a DJ he'd be out every night so we're doing it together and uh, like it would be around drink a lot of the time and would if I was meeting up for, for to with a friend it would be for a pint so it's definitely challenging but almost because like the reason that I'm so adamant to keep it is because of how much I'd love to have a drink do you know what I mean yeah and like I, I'm so like it's, it's no problem it's not so much the it's not some like obviously at home or whatever cups of tea happy as Larry great but when you're I meet, met a friend there over the weekend for a pint just in town and we were just meeting for one pint and I was like I'd love to just have just one drink you know what I mean it's there's something I don't know social about it isn't it it's different how's your head and your like anxiety been definitely better right yeah that's a big thing I know definitely better yeah like so much better that I'm like hmm interesting isn't it yeah yeah that's a big thing that I 
that I noticed. But at the same time, I really like I'm going away to Germany with my mum and dad and some of our family friends to the, the to see the show that I was part of developing. That's kind of gone on. It's called Dulemon. The guys have had like really great success with it, and I was in, like the original cast of it and kind of stepped away because it didn't really make sense scheduling wise for me. But like I'm really excited to see it. And we're all going to Berlin, and it's a big beer city. And I'm going. Berlin's with my, incredible. Yeah, I've never been. Oh, it's amazing. It's and my favorite city. Right. Yeah. And so I'm so excited, and I, and I do, and I want to go and I want to have a beer with my dad and like with their like older mates and like just you know and I think and I think if you're able to do that responsibly that that to me at this moment in my life feels like the right choice for me mm-hmm. yeah amen yeah. I think we have time for one more question sweet one more I hope it's a good one okay number six if you couldn't do what you're doing right now what would you pursue it's a great one yeah a great one to end on I'd be a fireman a fireman I'd love to be a fireman fireman Tom has a nice ring to it I have to say yeah I could be a children's book um, <laughs> yeah no I, I would be a fireman um, I think uh, if I was got, got in I think I could because I think I'm tall enough and strong enough and fit enough and healthy enough um, touch wood um, as far as I know uh, to do it um, I think it's a really difficult job it's a scary job it's a brave job but I think it's a really like honourable thing to fucking fight fires and like save people's lives and I'm sure the day to day practicalities of that are very different um but yeah there's something about that I, do you know what it is i think what i love about and for all i've talked about being like an introvert and need my own space and like love burying myself away and like my writing or like running by myself or going to the cinema by myself there's nothing i love more than community and i think well i don't know, rightly or wrongly but i think that seems to be a real thing within like the 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 um, community of like firemen and women it seems to be very I, I guess it has to be because ultimately you're like oh you're responsible for my life mm-hmm. if I like KO in a burning building you need to come and save me that's so powerful it's very romantic it's very beautiful and I am um, I think I'm very much like in love with, with like that idea of it like I'm not saying I want like my fucking skin to be burned off because I know that's another side of it and I'm not saying I want to deal with like people you know, throwing bricks at me when they make a prank call because I know that's another side of it. But like the community of it, like being up all night with these men and women and knowing that, like, yeah, look, if we need to go and save someone's life, we're gonna go in there and we're gonna do our best to save someone's life and we're gonna make sure that we're all looking out for each other. I think that's so powerful and that's very beautiful. Um, and I think that that's always what I'm striving for in what I do, like artistically. And in no way am I trying to compare <laughs> the like magnitude of like what a fireman does to what a silly little writer actor does or a podcaster. I'm really not, but like I think it's always going for like a sense of like community and a sense of you know. I mean, I use the word being seen when I talk about like what I'm doing with this podcast or like what I think I'm trying to do with like the plays and the things that I write. And I think, yeah, like I think in a community that is like has to be that type because of the the, the, the heightened dangerous nature of the work they do. I think that like that's inevitably going to happen. So again, selfishly, I think that's probably why I'd want to be a fireman. Fireman Tom. Fireman Tom. Well, there you go. Episode number 50 is finished. Man. Is there anything you would like to close this episode off with? Well, yeah, there is actually. Thank you for uh, offering that space. Um, You're welcome. It's my podcast now, Tom. It's your (laughs) podcast now. Um, Again, just thank you. That was a great... I hope that was a that great was episode. So enjoyable. I've learned loads about you. Good. Yeah. That that was a. Re- it felt good for me. Um. Yeah, man. It's scary. To, it like. And I guess just a thank you to everyone who's done it so far. Being on the other side of it, I see that it's scary to do and it's hard to do. But I think um we have 
beautiful wonderful listeners who are very very open and you know i always worry about misspeaking on the podcast in this like current climate where there's just there's a lot of awful things that have come out and people are very sensitive because we need to be sensitive when we need to be there so like this podcast even i've said stuff today and you're like fuck did i say the thing so i guess just a thank you to all the people who listen for being kind empathic listeners that's certainly like the kind of listeners like i want i will take anyone but that's the people i want also a thank you to the guests for being kind empathic guests and for sharing and and you know doing what like i've done today and what you've done in the past and what they've all done before and um, because i think and I hope and I believe that it makes people feel seen and feel good. Um, I think I like this podcast to be uh, like just like a feel good thing for people. I know it can go like dark and it can go very like darkly humorous and we can say things that kind of are like on the edge of like, is that OK to say? And all the different parts of being alive. But um, I'm very glad that uh, to have a platform like this. And just so I guess a thank you to you, mm-hmm. to everyone who contributed to like the artwork and the music, whether that be Leah or uh, Anthony or Connor um, and to... Paddy and Alan and all the brilliant interns who are here now and who've come and gone um, and I don't want to make this a fucking Oscar speech um, but yeah just like a thank you and um, I guess we'll, will we keep it going for the moment? Let's keep it going for the moment. Let's keep it going for the Can moment. Can I say something? I never get a chance. Please. Well first of all thank you so much Tom for doing this because I think both of us it, it, for all you listeners out there we adore you listening so much and we adore your feedback but like at the same time Tom and I are doing this completely for free and it can get a bit tedious at times, you know, like late night editing, last minute editing. Tom sometimes happened to book guests at the last minute. So, and you know, we have to come into town and it, it's completely all free. So thank you so much to Tom. Thank you so much for doing it because there's, there's listeners out there who adore this. I hope, I hope you listeners love this. And uh, it's important that we keep it going because if it makes anybody, if it makes one person feel good, then that then we're doing our job right. So Yeah, I used to hear that and be like, that's bollocks, but like, it's not. No, it's not. No. Let's keep it going. Sweet. Will you thank me for playing my own? Will you thank me for playing with myself? Um, Tom Moran, thank you for playing Personality Bingo with Taz Keller. Yeah. <laughs>so guys that was Tom Moran playing personality bingo with Taz Kelleher a massive thank you to Taz for taking the time to talk to me it's so hard to say it the opposite way around it's like my third take of doing it but look hey we made it in the end Taz honestly thank you so much for doing it it was actually really fun to kind of talk in that way um, and kind of it was nice to just kind of switch off in a way because when you're doing the interviews you really want to listen and be there with the guest and and um, be nodding along and you know just making sure you're there in the room so it was really nice for me to kind of go into my own head and kind of just like let Taz do all the hard work and um, so it was a really really great episode and um, from my point of view very selfishly i hope that you enjoyed listening to it as i said all the thank yous still stand a massive thank you to alan paddy to taz to connor to leah to anthony for all the work that they do on this podcast i will not keep you here long because um i know that um the the the, the intro said it all but uh, it, it was a really really um it's a really great achievement for us to have 50 episodes done and I hope the episode doesn't come across as like overly sentimental but as I said this is something that we do for free and we put a lot of our time and energy into it and uh, I'm just really glad that the people are enjoying it and if you did enjoy this one please do let us know at tmoran93 at personalbingo all on Twitter Uh, we have the Facebook page personality bingo with Tom Moran and also um, check me out on Instagram at tmoran93 because I want to do more social media stuff on Instagram for the podcast because I am lazy with photographs anyway guys a massive thank you Um, 
also that piece The Falling Man uh, if anyone wants a copy of it we can uh, th- there'll be a link on my Twitter um, for the, the, the PDF um, file of it if anyone's interested um, but that's something that I wrote like three years ago so it was really nice to kind of dig that out um, from my, my documents I hadn't looked at it since but uh, I just kind of read it as was because uh, you know it didn't really need much changing it was um, it was something that one of the first things that I've written and that's going on to be such a big part of my life the writing aspect it was really nice to kind of share that with you and it kind of just happened quite organically so um yeah that was a a nice little bonus and i hope you guys enjoyed it so guys until next week thank you so much for listening to tom moran playing personality bingo with taz keller This podcast is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network.